Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Game Time Podcast. We've nearly got a full house. Alan should be joining us a bit later, but Tim, Tom and Ryan are here. I don't know why that made me laugh. Uh, how are you boys doing? Good. I'm absolutely great. Many thanks, Danny. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm really good. Thank you very much as well. So, jam-packed pod. We're going to do a little bit of Premier League stuff from last weekend. And I'd imagine a lot of Champions League stuff is going to get brought up, seeing as we're all watching some match and Ryan is like overlord of all the matches. Where do we want to start this week? Should we start with the... Chelsea early kick- I'm going to overrule you and go oh. straight, straight for the early kickoff. Uh, Tottenham versus Liverpool. I mean, Ryan, I, I don't want to rub salt on the wound. It's not been great for Tottenham recently, has it? See you later, lads. Good to see you here again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not had a great couple of days, let's be honest. We basically just played into it. Well, played so badly. The fact that Liverpool seems to be pretty, pretty switched on, but we just didn't help ourselves by just pushing up as soon as the fullbacks as soon as we can, and it just sort of like they just took advantage of it. But I will say something: even after we scored at the end, they did look a bit dodgy. So mm. now Son's come back. And the like, he doesn't have to perform to get off military service. Is that why Tottenham are now doing shit? Um, yeah, that would that would be pretty harsh to blame him because he's only played like one and a half games <laughs> <laughs> for either of the bits. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to really think about the um, the Liverpool game now, just judging by the the shit show I just had to watch through the <laughs> game. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, we just didn't help ourselves on Saturday. We sort of like let the fullbacks, our fullbacks, push up too far and left like Salah and Mane just running in behind. And then Man, he scored. they were sort of just constantly, constantly just sort of like outplaying us. But like I said a minute ago, even though we sort of got the goal back at the end, they did look a bit shaky. So I'm still not quite convinced because if they would have been on it, they could have won about 5 0 on Saturday. That's how bad we were. Yeah, not, not great to watch. Mane, I, I mean all three of them actually, Mane, Salah and Firmino, even though Firmino did score, they probably could have scored five or six had they just made the right pass. And that's kind of unlike Liverpool, especially, well, what we've seen under them over this five games of this season and last season. We just sort of basically just kept giving them chances. And I know Michel Vaughan got a lot of stick for the first goal, like when he sort of like armed up in the air. Yeah. but uh, Oh, that was bad. It, he made he made about three or four saves that made up for that like massively. Have you seen the edit of Harry Kane in goal? Yeah, like well, the, that was the thing. He did, he did sort of, he did make the mistake. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be blaming him. I'd blame the midfield for maybe not holding on to the ball as well as we should have, mm. and the fact that we just kept pushing up even though we knew it was a bad idea. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about the Liverpool side. I'm just not convinced. I know, I know at the minute they're tuning up, so this is sort of showing me up a bit in the Champions League. <laughs> There's something about them that just when they let a goal in, they just sort of seem to be a bit dodgy still. And you don't really get that with sort of like Man City or at the minute like Chelsea. They don't seem to be that sort of like panicky. But Klopp, I think he does need to maybe just sort of make sure they are winning those games like 3 or 4-0 just to be like laying down like a bit of more of a marker. No, no, you mean Tom? Do you have any thoughts on it? I think there was a couple of times they uh, when 
I think the decision making of the front three of Liverpool really they could have put the game out of reach. I know there was one where I think Cater forced Vorm into a save, but it was almost three on two for a moment. I felt sorry for Vorm because I think he, he, the other point as well is I, he overall he, he had an okay game, but then I think he was at fault definitely for one of the goals, and maybe I think he felt possibly felt he could have done better for the other one. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a really strange performance watching it as well because you just I mean I don't I didn't watch the game tonight uh, tonight with with Spurs versus Inter but you didn't feel it was the way that Poch trains his teams to play and they were shaky then and I, I think there there is an argument that that there could have been a penalty at the end um, for the foul on Son right at the end of the game uh, and then that that obviously would have put, given the result a completely different complexion but I think uh, Tottenham were poor and. Um, especially after coming off the, the defeat to Watford before the international break. They really need to turn it around for, for the upcoming games in the season, really. Tim? Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch it. Uh, I was busy all day. But Solid. Um, is this like Tottenham's sort of, you know, how the fact they didn't sign anyone in the transfer window, is this their sort of shortcoming now? Is that um, they're lacking in certain areas or not, not performing as well as they could be doing? To be fair, I think I was listening to... I can't remember where I heard it, but they were talking about this Harry Kane being tired. And they made the point that I, th- I think it was a football ramble. And they made a point that it's just a narrative. Like his narrative of him never scoring in August, he did it this year. So they don't really have anything else to talk about. So now they're talking about him being absolutely shattered. I mean, it's a fair point. Yeah. He plays God knows how many games like a year. There was a stat was like something over 100 and PSG have scored. But, yeah, like, I mean, he must be exhausted off the World Cup as well. He had so little rest that it's going to have an effect on him. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a slump. I think he, there is a level of possibly he hasn't had a prolonged rest for maybe two or three seasons in a row. And that, that probably is a contributing factor. But I think if, the, if he hadn't scored in August, everyone would have been like, oh, it's the August curse. Mm. But actually now that he did score in August, they're trying to find something else to blame it on. Um, yeah. And the way we've seen Kane respond to slumps in the past is he usually comes out in a couple of games time and scores a hat-trick against someone or, or like yeah. actually dest- destroys a team. So I, I, I don't, I'm not convinced how long it will last for. And I think as soon as he does start scoring, people will stop talking about, oh, maybe he's tired and stuff. So I think he, he, as soon as he starts scoring, that, that narrative, like you said, Danny, will definitely go away. And One season wonder. As as he, <laughs> yeah. As soon as um, he starts scoring as well, on, on the other side of it as well, Tottenham will start winning more games. So that's it. I do agree with that. I, I do think as well, like I said, the whole thing about not buying any players, I think that's just, I've heard that from a lot of people and I think that's just very, it's quite a lazy thing to say from a few pundits. Like mm. at the end of the day, we've, I mean, it's a miracle the fact that we've gone, considering how we used to be, like it's a miracle we've gone four years without losing three games in a row. And obviously, this is the first time we've done it. It's the first time we've lost three games in a row since like Tim Sherwood was in charge. And I feel like that's that's just sort of a um, a positive reflection on how far we've come under Pochettino. We're not like at the end of the day, we shouldn't really be sort of maybe qualifying for the Champions League every year, and we are. And like obviously, we've had a couple of times where we've been in and around the top two, come like April and May, which is also quite rare. So I feel like this year, if we were maybe to sort of regress slightly that wouldn't be such a surprise but yeah I just think generally at the minute we're just it's just a bit of a slump like the Watford game was frustrating because we never played really that well Liverpool game was awful but then even like tonight I mean it was just annoying because Inter Milan had nothing for about 85 minutes or very little mm. and they, Icardi like picks one 
um, out of the sky, basically, and just puts it into the bottom corner. And then after that, you could just see that the Inter was so confident, and it was just really frustrating. It was, um, but like I say, it's not it's not time to reach for the panic button. I don't think it's just one of those things where teams have a bad run. It like like Tom said a minute ago, if we go and beat Brighton like four 0 at the weekend, everyone will just start talking about something else. Like they'll yeah. start talking about like Mourinho or something or whatever. So it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, we're sort of like um, the the thing to talk about at the minute, and then but it'll go away soon enough. And then we'll just they'll start talking about Liverpool or Chelsea or whoever whoever managed to lose that weekend. But yeah, it's just frustrating at the minute. Just like I say, it seems to be in a bit of a bit of a slump. It's just the narrative, I think, like we've all said. It's just it's just an easy, easy story to pander. Mm. Like but yeah, like you said, it'll it'll go away soon enough. Moving on to the later games, loads of games on the Saturday. Newcastle lost again, this time to Arsenal and Emery. I think that's three wins now this season after a bit of a shaky start. Do we think they're going to be contenders for that top four spot or are they not quite there yet? Uh, I, don't, I don't think they... I think they're going to be on the edge. I think they, they, may, they may be fifth or sixth. I think it depends how Tottenham shape up as well. A lot of... A lot of um, it's, it's funny how people focus on, on players at, at Tottenham and with it, whether it's Kane... Um, or I mean, I think there's there's a lot of focus on you know, what I've seen recently in terms of how people view Dembele and his usefulness. I think two seasons ago he was arguably one of the best central midfielders in the Premier League, and, and that seems that seems to maybe be a fitness thing, maybe be a physical trait thing. It seems to have dropped off a bit. But I think there isn't as much focus on people like Aubameyang, who who hasn't had a great start to the season, in my own opinion. And I think I looked at yesterday as well. Özil hasn't had a very impressive start to the season anyway. Um, so I think there's there's individual players in that team that they need to step up if they want to challenge for the top four. I think the way that the top four is shaping up at the moment, um, it's going to be really difficult to break past maybe the, the three that were there or thereabouts. So that's Chelsea, Liverpool and, and obviously Man City. I think at the moment United probably have that. If they can turn it around now and obviously beating Watford at the weekend as well, they're probably in a, a better position than Arsenal and Tottenham are. But then... It, it, it always goes in circles and, and it's very cyclical with, with Tottenham winning multiple games and, and Arsenal are doing it at the moment as well, especially after the poor start that Emery had for the first two games of the season. They're going to be on the edge of the... I think Arsenal will be on the edge of the top four. And I think it'll be, it'll be between... The, la, the last spot will be between United, Tottenham and, and Arsenal. But um, at the moment, I think... I, I, I struggle to, to... I don't like the way Mourinho plays, uh, plays with, with the top teams at the moment. I think it's, it's very disappointing to be someone watching Man United play. Um, but he's very effective at grinding out results. I think that I, I guess we'll get onto the Watford game in a minute, but it was so apparent the way that they played there um, that he could he just had that ability to just get a win and, and move on to the next game. Yeah, well, that match was a huge turnaround, though, wasn't it? Because they just lost to Brighton uh, and playing really, really badly. And then all of a sudden, these players come and give that performance, like working 110%, and suddenly they look half decent again. So, Man United were a strange one, I think. Rowan. Fellaini. Yeah. Like they got first time for team of the week in like three years. Like <laughs> it's it's odd because in the World Cup we saw a completely different Fellaini. Like against Brazil, mm-hmm. him and I think it was Witzel in Witzel. that sort of two man midfield were just so good. And when Fellaini is actually told what to do and listens, he is a very good player. It's a bit like a like sort of misbehaving puppy like Fellaini like he's got the hair for it um, but he'll 
like sometimes he'll just be useless and just run all over the park, not really doing anything, chasing a stick. And then the rest of the time, when he's actually told what to do, he'll, he will do a good job. And there are many players like him. He'll, you know, he'll perform. Can I give you a Chris Smalling-based fact? Please Go do. On. Has anyone else seen this about um, he went in a in games that he scored a goal? The, the team that he's played for, and so this is for Fulham and for Man United, they've always won the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's uh, he's tied the record. So the record is 11 games. Oh, my... he's, t- he's tied it with another player. And that player is Ryan Babble. What mm. the fuck? Yeah, so, yeah. Little, uh, it... small fact. Is that just in English football? I think it's, I think it's in Premier League history. Okay, I'm going to say because I'm pretty sure Ryan Babel has more than 11 goals. Chris <laughs> <laughs> that from Chris Morning, but not Ryan Babel. Yeah, that makes sense. Shit at defending. I mean, whilst whilst we're out there giving random random facts, Ryan Babel DM'd me his phone number on Twitter a few years ago. What? Yeah. Was it was it like a was it a catfish? Yeah. Was it was it consensual? <laughs> like, I was. And he called him. No, no, I'm not calling him. It's like um. Could call, could call him though. Maybe Let's not rule it out. He said, and I quote, appreciate the follow. If you want to reach me direct, you can call or text me. And then he put his phone number there. You sure that's not a sex line? That's a sex chat I mean, line. I've not, phoned... <laughs> I've not phoned it, so I cannot confirm nor deny those rumors. <laughs> I'm going to phone. I'm going to follow Ryan Babble now. Do it. <laughs> right, when we're next in the studio, can we get you to phone Ryan Babble's number? I mean, if you want. I'm just very intrigued. I do want that. Um, I think that would be quality content. Yeah, we can try and get Ryan Babel on the on the podcast. It's definitely anyway. just going to be a confused Dutch woman, but <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Ryan Babel, like banking consultant. Oh, mm. uh, um, right. Where were we in terms of Manchester United? We were talking a bit about Marouan Fellaini, but if we look at the match as a whole. Is it a case of United just doing the bare minimum to get through that game? Or do you think the international break kind of fucked Watford over a little bit? With their two international players. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who does play international football for Watford? I'm curious. Um, um, did Holland Mats? Harold Jan Mats? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean in terms of the players going away for, for international duty. Having that break, you know, they're not lost. They've played week in, week out. Mm. A week and a bit break, all of a sudden. Still doing all right, though. They're still what? Are they, like, sixth? No, uh, they're, four, they're fourth. They're fourth. That's, they're I mean, fourth? Mm. Also, they're doing better than Tottenham. But, I mean, it's, yeah. it's with, with five or six games into the season. I don't think the table... <laughs> Yeah, the, t- the table doesn't really start to take shape after it until about 10 games or so, 12 games. But that's four wins, though. Like, it's re- that's huge for, like, if you're talking about, like, the relegation battle, that's huge. So, you know, it can be a huge, like, determining factor towards the end of the season. In fact, they won their first four. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because yeah, if, if, if you think about the way that they're now going to prepare for games, like, a lot of the time with, with, uh, with relegation clubs, they have maybe, like, a set of five. Um, so for them to get it done early, it takes off so much pressure from like March and April time when you're really desperate to get wins. Um, yeah. It's like teams like, um, the, obviously the, the game last night was Brighton versus Sampton and Sampton were 2-0 up. And you think like for them to, to go down and, and actually end up drawing that game, 
like that that's got to be so gutting because you know that you can start to put that gap between you and the relegation zone now and not get drawn into the early battle down at the bottom of the table well yeah if you yeah. think about the relegation places that are like done by one point and goal difference at the end of the season yeah. like two points can be huge um and if they they would like drew from two nil up is not good i mean if we're talking about a team who has not set themselves up well come the end of the season if there's a relegation battle it's West Ham but they finally won a game deservedly though they played really well here he is (laughs) I thought you'd pipe up when I said that I'm drying off oh great (laughs) what an image (laughs) Uh, Alan in terms of West Ham how much did you need that win um, well, considering our next three games and Man U, Chelsea and Tottenham, is it? Something like that? Uh, that was pretty key because we've had a tough start. Uh, we haven't managed to, uh, yeah, obviously pick up any points. No, that was a massive win. Um, it was probably a combination between us playing well and Everton allowing us to play that way. Uh, they were very narrow, um, which. And really bad. To... Yeah, and really bad. But we've... They, made, they brought on Bernard before half time. Who looks like a crackhead, by the way. (laughs) He's he's been in in the Ukraine, mate. Yeah, it's been a rough few years. I I remember a a sweet-faced Bernard on, like, FIFA 13 or something. He looks rough. But, yeah, and played like he's a crackhead as well. Um, I think you're thinking of Lee Bernard. None of them were particularly... (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, yeah, good... good, uh, Good to see Yarmolenko playing well, though. Um, second goal was brilliantly taken. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. Him, him and Felipe Anderson look really good now, though. Like, they look Felipe like- Anderson, it's, I'll tell you what, when he, he's not been allowed to do it so far, but when he sort of turns at defenders and just runs, and, and well, Everton defenders especially didn't know how to handle that. Um, but they let him have that space initially. I think you've got to close a player like that down. And it's worrying that that, well, that's probably the only time it's going to turn up this season. Wasn't he called a one in a million player? He only plays well one in a million times. One in six. It's a little bit better than one in a million. Oh, was it? Either way. Yeah, I hope it's not quite that bad. But on Altovich as well, is looking pretty good as a centre forward. Yes. So far in terms of goal scoring, even though West Ham... He's a different player at West Ham than he did at Stoke. Every player looks a different player than they did at Stoke. <laughs> Shakiri. Shakiri um, hasn't played. Looks better. <laughs> he warms that bench so well. Um, well now switch though. He was uh, one of the players of the season a couple of years ago, wasn't he for Stoke? He did have. Oh, a, he, he did have a good season. He built. He beat, exactly. built, beat Phil Bardsley. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I, I saw, I'm not sure what the stat is, and I'm not going to try and re-quote it because I couldn't find it, but I think he was only second to Eden Hazard in chance creation, like goal scored and goals assist, goal involvement. And this, and this year, actually, I saw the stat that um, only Mo Salah has contributed more goals in terms of goals plus assists than um, Arnautovic since the start of the year. So he's definitely a key player for us. It's yeah, just no. where else they got come from from West Ham like whoa 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 actually no, not so much now that Yarmolenko's doing well but like beforehand who else was going to score 
big Marky Noble from the penalties. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Oh, that, that brings me on nicely, actually, Alan. I'd like to ask, ask you, oh, hopefully you can answer me this question. How no. the hell does Mark Noble still get into West Ham's team? Like, what does it, apart from penalties, seriously, what does he bring to that team? Because I, I watched the game on Sunday, like the whole, that's the first time I've watched the whole, a whole West Ham game for a long time. And like every time he got the ball, he was just giving the ball away. And I don't understand. Like, and he, he didn't really seem to be putting in any tackles. Obviously, there was that video of him sort of trailing behind Callum Wilson the other day when Wilson ran through for Bournemouth. I just don't really understand what he brings to the side when you've got players like on the bench who could do a far better job. Wilshire. Wilshire's injured for six weeks. He's had ankle surgery. Oh, fair enough. Still be better again. Again. Didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen that video, but I think Mark Noble has been top five in the distance cover charts in the whole of the Premier League for the last three seasons. So he definitely puts a shift in. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> you do need to be sort of making goals. Like you say, Anatovic is having a lot. Of, there's a big burn on Anatovic. Look at the team. There's absolutely no leaders in there. Mark Noble's That's probably true. in that team who is a leader. Um, he is sort of missed the West Ham and I think that has given him some stock over the last few years I think if he was I don't know of another nationality Mark Noble might have been dropped by now I think the fact that he's an East London boy grew up you know living next to the stadium and all that has possibly helped him out in staying in the team I think I think you're right on that aspect but he's he certainly is a leader and Mr. West Ham, and that's probably what's keeping him in the team. Yeah, like I say, it's not, it's just from sort of like an outside point of view, maybe. Despite you, they pick him. (laughs) (laughs) But like, Um, I just just sort of like think, like, just from an outside point of view, like, you've got obviously West Ham. I don't think, I've said this before over the last couple of weeks, I don't think West Ham will be in any trouble this year. I feel like they've got enough to sort of get out and win some. um, If they get the home form sorted out, I think they'll be fine. But I do think, like I say, if they do get drawn into a relegation scrap, obviously he will be good as a leader. But if you've also got basically someone who's not creating assists, not sort of like scoring goals, then realistically you're basically playing with 10 men every week, apart from someone who just shouts, claps their hands and maybe runs around a little bit. Certainly if he's the one aspect that I said that he puts a shift in, if that starts to dwindle, then definitely the benefits of Martin Noble certainly goes away. It's it's whether we've got other central midfield options that are much more effective. I mean, we started the season with Noble and Wilshire. Wilshire hasn't looked overly effective. Um, it, it's more annoying that we got rid of Kriata. From what I've heard, it was an option between him and Obiang to go because they needed to free up some money. Um, I definitely left Kriata to stay, I think. And I think we are missing him because he definitely put a shift in and he was probably more capable uh, in terms of passing and you know distribution than Mark Noble is. I mean, what we did at the weekend was we played Declan Rice in front of the the back four, which seems yeah. to be okay because he had bags of energy. And if it's a way of getting him into the team, because Pellegrini doesn't seem to trust him playing with two central defenders, doesn't seem to trust him with that, then playing him as a sort of centre defence midfielder, that seems to work. I was very impressed with Declan Rice, and that's that's another thing like should he be getting in or should Noble be getting into the side above maybe a youngster? But like I say, it's it's all well and good, like I say, the, the sort of like the stock he has with the fans and everything and, and like the idea that um, mm. he's sort of been there so long. But like I say, there, there does become a time, like, for example, when John Terry realised he wasn't really quick enough or couldn't read the game quick enough or they got rid of him and obviously 
championship or he was in the championship last year. Now he's sort of a free agent. And it's just one of the things where you just have to think, okay, maybe we need to start thinking about getting rid of him. Players do, like that do stay in the team maybe for too long. I think, like you said, mentioned John Terry there. You know, maybe Gerard was in that team for too long, Lampard. I think when you've got these yeah. iconic players for your club and Noble does sort of register as one of our iconic players, certainly of the last 10 years. Um, he's been with us well, the whole time. So, um, but yeah, it, it could be the case that he starts to get phased out this season, but you never know. Just to touch on something, something that Tim said as well about um, chance creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that since the beginning of 2016, uh, since the beginning of 2016 season, um, your number one chance creator in that uh, from then until now has been Dimitri yeah. Payet. And considering Dimitri Dimitri Payet left in 2017, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, I think that's that's the bigger worry for West Ham. I think, and and you you you've tried to address that with so many different players, people like Hernandez, and and maybe now Arnautovic could be the guy that gets you the goals. But I think there is a worry about maybe converting that and scoring with it three at the weekend is, is exactly how you're going to play yourself out of trouble. I, th- I would like you to refer to Dimitri from now on as the limbless, elongated reptile that he is. Scored an absolute banger, though. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, I, I have heard that, Sat, and that is worrying. If we move on from West Ham to the other game on Sunday, which was Wolves beating Burnley 1-0, and I saw something interesting on Twitter. It was either Sky Sports or BT Sport or Match of the Day. I'm not sure which one of them tweeted out. But they said, are Wolves the best team to be promoted into the Premier League ever? It's a bit early to tell after five games. I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I I also think no. Yeah. Alan? Hmm. Yeah, chance. too early to tell, isn't it? Um, Leicester? I mean, technically, yeah. Cause they, they, they were pretty shit in that Sorry, first they year they came back. Yeah, but they still won the title two years after... Well, a season and a... Yeah, two seasons after going up. But I'd, I'd probably say maybe Ipswich from 2001. They came up and then they immediately qualified for the UEFA Cup. That's a great I'd shout, that's actually. Probably, that's the best probably promoted team that I've seen in the, that was sort of like the first year I really started watching football and then obviously again yeah they got relegated the year after so they did sort of like the opposite of what Leicester did but the Leicester team the, the first year when they stayed up like from the last when they won the last like eight games there was no real hint that they were going to do what they did the year after so I think yes they eventually they turned out to be a bunch if you're just talking about like first season straight up I'd probably say Ipswich or mm, yeah I'd probably say Ipswich actually I can't think of anyone else of like coming up with like, but Wolves came up with an, a, an absolute reputation as well, didn't they? With all the players, yeah. So which which promoted teams have spent that much money? I think exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, the, the best the best promoted Premier League team of all time is was I I, I I wasn't obviously alive, but it was um Blackburn Rovers because they got promoted from the second they got promoted from the second division their first division the Premier, season in the Premier League they got fourth. Then they got second, then they won the league. That's a fair so. argument as well, yeah. But again, they spent for the time, they spent a lot of money. They were quite like, buying. Like, yeah, they did, yeah. Sh- and and also, yeah. like I say, New, maybe Newcastle as well. The first year they came up, they finished second. Like when Andy Cole was first there, like in the 90s with uh, Keegan. But I think from, like I said, from personal experience, I'd probably say it switch because that was, again, such like unheralded. They had a team of like fairly average players. And I was reading, reading a, a thing on them the other day about like when they got into the UEFA Cup and how. 
it was like mental, but they sort of took their eye off the ball and ended up getting relegated a bit like, um, sort of like, although they didn't qualify this year, sort of like Burnley. Mm. Obviously, they've started really, like, they started really poorly and maybe they, they're sort of distracted. They were distracted by the Europa League and probably now they can maybe get back in some form. But yeah, yeah, I think um, Wolves are very good, don't get me wrong, but I think, again, they've spent a lot of money and they probably will finish below the European spots this year. If they do, then I'll probably say they're close to the best being the best team. Burnley have looked shambolic. Did you see the Joe Hart interview where he literally just was like, we're just not good. We're clearly not good enough. I think he said like they smashed us in terms of the game against Wolves. Like they've looked so distracted <laughs> all season. Like it's not what you imagine from a, a Sean Dyche side. It can't all be Europa League though, can it? I don't think it is. I don't think. I don't think it's the Europa League at all. Like, I think they've got serious problems in that in that team at the moment. Uh, um, the the defence looked so good last season, um, and that they're struck, they're conceding lots of goals, and, and equally they're not scoring. Well, Kaki scored once, has um, he? And he yeah. was their main goal scorer all of last season. Um, and then he got dropped for the last game. So they just they did not create. I think they're they're in serious trouble. Um, but I, again, is, is the question about Deitch is. Um, a lot of a lot of clubs out there in a similar position may give him three or four more games to sort to sort the season out. But I think the level of achievement that he's had so far in his Burnley career, surely you, I mean he's he's one of these managers where you, he's almost untouchable because of what mm. he did last season with Burnley. But I think they they do have a really serious problem they're going to have to look at over the next. I mean games. they've they've scored three goals this season. Their top scorer is James Tarkowski. Ooh. Which is yeah. which shows you the problems they're having. If they can't score, and their top scorer is a is a defender, and then they're conceding the goals they're conceding, you're always going to struggle, and that's why they're rock bottom of the Premier League with one point. I think the point is right though. Like they haven't addressed their issues from last season. I mean, how many goals did they score last season? Maybe on average of one a game. I'd imagine it was less than thirty. And and the fact is, they conceded only about thirty as well. They rode their luck. You can't keep expecting to you know go through games nil nil and one nil. Um, they certainly didn't. And, and going into the summer, they needed to strengthen up front, and they just didn't. I think Sean Dyke was saying just before the kickoff in the Europa League that he had maybe like 16 first team players available, senior first team players, mm. which is not really good considering you're about to start a Europa League campaign, which is is brutal at best. Yeah. But that that's not enough for a league campaign alone. And, you know, what Burnley did last season is pretty much unrepeatable. You cannot expect to go to teams like Liverpool and City and not ship goals. They didn't last season, but they're riding their luck if they think they can do that again. And clearly it's not going to work. No. No, I mean, they scored, just having a look now, they scored 36 goals last season and conceded 39 with on minus Which three. Unbelievable. And they, I mean, mentioned players like Tao Kaski. You played very well in defence to, you know, contribute to that. You're not going to be able to do that twice on the bounce, however well organised Sean Dice teams are. Mm. Especially since they, they have a lack of squad, they're going to be shattered. Yeah. And just replaced um, their goalkeeper with Joe Hart. Uh, I mean, just one, one thing about Joe Hart. Did anyone see Andy Gray on, I think it was on BN Sport? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. What a fucking idiot just, he was. Oh, just <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I mean... Oh, sorry, she scored. 
Oh, Salah scored. Don't worry. For all those that don't series record B in sports, could you uh, enlighten? Oh, yeah. Um, so essentially, he was having a conversation with the rest of the presenters. And um, so it was Andy Gray, uh, Richard Keyes, and then I'm not sure who the other pre- presenter was or pundit. But essentially, he was making a point that Burnley need to trust different players. And he said, Joe Hart, he's about, what, 35 years old now? Uh, Tom Heaton, he's a young man. Why isn't he getting a chance? Despite the fact that uh, Joe Hart is 31 years old and Tom Heaton is actually 32. Oh, has got one right in the nuts. Oh, that's not good. I think the goal's been out as well. He's literally, <laughs> the Surridge has gone for the ball and stamped in his crotch. Oh. Yeah, the goal was just allowed. Uh, to follow up your point there on, on Andy Gray and Richard Keyes, it is about time that people stop actually listening yeah. to those men about football though like it, it is what they did in, in football circles as much as it maybe I guess swept under the rug as banter like how are they still involved yeah. in professional football I just I don't understand and that yeah and they get away with doing absolutely zero research on games and then just sort of chalking up for like oh well it was good when that girl was in <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have absolutely no respect for anything that they say in terms no. of football pun- punditry. I'm not sure they have that much connection to football anymore, do they? I think that show gets as many viewers as as we get listeners. <laughs> you know, like five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I, I, the problem is with, um, and it seems to happen a lot with pundits. And I, this is part of the reason why I don't really watch sort of build up to games anymore. There seems to be this emphasis on people not deliberately not doing, like you said, not doing their research. And it really, like, it really winds me up. Like, there was, like, people seem to get, like, a comedy thrill out of Paul Merson not being able to pronounce someone's name. And it's like, that's his fucking job. Like, if if someone comes, like, from a different country and then has a long name, you then learn (laughs) the name. You don't just pretend to try and do it or just do it in, like, a funny accent. And, like, like you said about um, Andy Gray coming out with just nonsense. And it just, it's sort of like, I would rather hear some like expert on a particular football footballing country. Like, for example, this, the goal show that I watch on the one I've got on BT Sport at the minute, the one I'm watching now, the Champions League one, they have like people who are experts in mm-hmm. the different football. So they've got like Rafa Honigstein on to talk about the German teams. And, um, They've got another guy, I can't remember his name now, there's a guy who comes and talks about French football. And I'd much rather listen to them or Alex Scott or something like that rather than yeah. someone who's just pretending and just going like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I think I think he's 35 and like, oh, he used to be good. Yeah. And, and like, it's just BT bollocks. It's so shit. BT Sport are really good. And then like Sky are just awful. I can't watch their their coverage or like like Sky Saturday or whatever because it's just, it's just shite. Um, BBC yeah. are really good. They've got Gary Lineker and Jay Comfrey presenting. Are both really, really good. And then they've got like Ferdinand or um, like John Arison was on earlier. He's a Liverpool player who knows what he's talking about. Like the BT Sport do it really well. And then Sky, mm. like they're in a different level to Sky completely. I don't mind particularly. Like Neville and Carragher are okay. They they they're not too bad. But again, like I have to be in the right mood to listen to them. Otherwise, they can because if they just have like a little bickering session on United and Liverpool, it gets quite boring sometimes. Mm. Um, but then, like you say, Henri. Henri's okay as long as you ask him about Arsenal. Anyone else? Like, you ask him about, like, oh, what do you think about Swansea's striker? And he's like, who? Thierry, <laughs> 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 no. T- um, what did you have for dinner? Yeah. What? What? No, no, no. 
But but like the, the problem with BT is BT do have good pundits, but then they also give Robbie Savage his own show. So <laughs> so like comes so, out. Yeah, but yeah, like I say, it's, I'd much rather do that than have like I say some like bloke like Ian Dowie like talking about the whole game. Like doesn't care. Like no idea about any of the teams. Like oh, I think that Polish lads just scored, and like a, a completely different ethnicity guy is just not the ball in the goal. It's like what are you saying? Uh, I, I I agree with um, with Tim about the BBC and, and BT. The only problem I have is Jake Humphreys is a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. He every single year on GCSE and A level results. Oh day, yeah. He, he puts a tweet out saying, "Oh, I've just bought my second granite kitchen," and I didn't get very good A levels. <laughs> he is miseducating the fucking youth of this country. <laughs> Really That's where his brag like, gets like less and less every year. Like it started off with like, oh, I only got two A levels and look at me now. And then like last year it was like, oh, I only did one B tech and now I've got a million cars. He's <laughs> <laughs> better, better than classes yeah. though. Yeah, yeah stay, stay, stay with the same story every year rather than making it more and more mm. un- like sort of like unbelievable every year. But yeah, I do know what you mean. Every every sixteenth of August. You've got to wake it up and you're like, oh, I did a right for myself, so you will as well. <laughs> I got an E2S and I own a dinosaur. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like, it's obvious middle-classness as well. So it's like, oh yeah, I got, yeah, two Ds and an E and I don't know any poor people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I really like him. <laughs> I, I, I think I used to like him uh, because he, he was what I associated with my youth growing up, being on like things like CBBC. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. But then I realised. Fucking <laughs> hell! What a, what a name! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the creatures like walk along the table, but yeah. everyone actually yeah. see them, so they're just staring at a really white table, and they get edited afterwards. <laughs> so their reaction is like, oh, 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 but they don't actually know what's happening. <laughs> Ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, we've heavily, heavily sidetracked and. Just a point, we're not sponsored by BT Sport to talk shit about Sky and BBC. Neither are we employed yeah. by anyone don't, else to talk shit watch, about Jay Don't Humphrey. watch Robbie Savage's show, it's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, you can take that as your opinion and that's fine. Many, many thanks for that. <laughs> Just next week. Uh, there's no more Game Time podcast. No. We've been sued by Sky, the BBC, <laughs> Jake Humphrey's second libel, kitchen. You can't libel someone if it's true, mate. You know that. <laughs> yeah, no, that you you are right. <laughs> You're on the show is shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's honest opinion. That's honest opinion, and you're allowed. He's going to go check the media um, page now for Robbie Savage's show. Yeah. It's, that makes uh, it true. It avoids copyright as well because it's for critique and um. Yeah, that's fine. It's. As long as it's your honestly held opinion and uh, you can prove that you've watched the show and you, your opinion is that the show is bollocks, that is perfectly fine. I've got the therapy receipts for proving me that I have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> just an shock for the whole morning just to get the idea of it away from my head. Uh, <laughs> I mean, nightmares about his luscious blonde locks. Mm. <laughs> I mean, while we're talking about uh, therapy receipts... <laughs> it, <is> every... <laughs> <laughs> this... of the year. Here we... 
He's the most Alan Partridge link you're ever going to hear on this podcast. Talking about therapy receipts, every team that Man City playing this season are going to need to see some sort of therapist. They're just (laughs) steamrolling teams now. (laughs) Aha! Very nice. I I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Pep came out after the game and said that he wasn't pleased with the performance against Fulham, though. No, he wasn't, was he? No, I think he... um... He, he bollocked him in the changing room afterwards. I know they, he brought him in for extra training on the Sunday. So it was weird because I, I looked at the result. And it, looked, it looked really, really comfortable. But on the whole, it was... Obviously, Peck wasn't happy. And then they perhaps didn't play the way that they, they're supposed to play. It sounds stupid because they still thumped Fulham. But yeah, I guess maybe yeah. he felt that if they'd played that way against a bigger team, they may have come a bit more unstuck. That's 64.7% possession. And I only mentioned this as a as a way to introduce what you told me, well, you told us yesterday, Tom, about possession, because I genuinely have never been more upset in my life. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is um, the way they calculate possession in, in football games is based on, well, what I, I assumed it would be based on the amount of time that you spend on the ball, but it's actually the number of um, complete and successful passes you make in a game. So if you... Yeah, it's, it's, it's rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. Um, but it's the only way of being able to succinctly and non-subjectively analyse how a game is, um, how, how, how possession stats are calculated. It's devastating. It's so... Devastating. They don't tire someone with a stopwatch. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. No. But they, they, that's, that's how you would assume they would do it. Or there's a, there's a methodology where they, yeah, they just, well, Chelsea have got it now, other team have got it now, and then you just, you just work it out. But no, yeah. they, they do it by the number of successful passes. Crazy, crazy. But yeah, I mean, Man City dominate possession in all the games. They had 64, nearly 65% possession in this. They won it 3-0, Sane, Silva and Raheem Sterling. Do we think they're just going to, I mean, we've probably said it before, but are they going to clean sweep it again? Or do we think Liverpool are going to give them a run for their money? I think they'll have it more difficult this year. Um, Like all the other teams have got so much more attacking prowess this season. Yeah, I think the other the other point is Fair. that Liverpool um, there's there's more of a competitor, a, more of a direct competitor with with Liverpool. Um, but again, I think you need to see how Liverpool would react to getting unstuck. I don't think they've ha- they've yeah. had to come through anything particularly difficult so far. Um, so uh, perhaps when they play a City or they play a United, obviously no offence, Ryan, after after Saturday's game, but uh, no, I was uh, just about to say actually, yeah, I'll come on to that in a minute, but 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 maybe when they come up against I don't know Chelsea as well. Um, or at least if they lose to a team, if, if they're able to quickly bounce back. Because I always felt when City got bad results, um, when they got a poor result against Wolves, they were able to bounce back quickly. And when they did it last season as well, they seemed to be, about to be able to get back into games and, and sort of act as if it hadn't happened before. So it'll be really interesting to see how Liverpool yeah. get on. I, I, it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be those two. I, I think Chelsea are playing really, really well. And I'm sure we'll get into the Chelsea game. But I still feel like they're, mm-hmm. they're missing something. Um, and I think it would just be Liverpool... We're missing having David Luiz at the back. Yeah, he's yeah. You're 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 due at least two or three blunders. So yeah, yeah. So that that will hurt, that will affect the season. <laughs> I mean, before we quickly move on to the Chelsea game, Leroy Sane, he's back in the team. He scored. What exactly do we think went not wrong? I don't know if that's the right way, but why why did he just not play? Do, well, Tony Cruz said when he was on German national duty for the like international friendlies that Sonny just had the complete wrong attitude about him and that like he just didn't care if Germany win or lost like won or lost and that sort of is quite telling things he got, he got left out of the World Cup side comes back in and doesn't really care maybe that like 
three month long break of not really playing any football had a massive effect on him. Yeah, possibly. I still think he slept with um, David Moyes' daughter, so he got kicked out of the Manchester City team. That's my um, <laughs> that's my that's my idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about. I'm not sure if I'm going to trust Tony Kroos's authority on this after what he said about the Mesut Ozil thing. Back yeah, in, I agree. Yeah, true. Sort mm. of like all of the um, the white German players, shall we say, <laughs> or, or, denying, or denying, um, all denying that there is any racism in German football when there clearly is. Like Gundogan's still getting booed and that sort of thing, and he's mm-hmm. apparently on the verge of sort of like retiring from the national team as well. So I, I do feel like that needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think Sane, I think he's probably just he's just getting back into the swing. I don't think there's any problems with his attitude. Maybe, like I said, having three months off, maybe he's just a bit rusty. So then he's maybe trying yeah. a bit too hard and getting a bit frustrated. I, I think he's still a class player, and um, and like I said, hopefully he'll be he'll kick on this year and just prove and get in back into the German side because he's definitely good enough to play for the German national team. Like when they're still calling up like Mario Gomez, who's in like his mid thirties now. Or like they were at least calling them up like back in the summer, like they do have um, they do have a sort of a spare a spare space in the squad for someone like Sane who can run at defenders and take people on and use his skill. So yeah, I think he'll be he'll have a good season this year. I reckon he's going to be one of City's key players if Pep keeps picking him. We have a university lecturer that looks from side on exactly like Pep Guardiola. It's a bit creepy. What does he look like from the front? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jose, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Thin white bald guy. <laughs> We've got a, couple, a few more games left, and I'm I'm not not talking about Chelsea and Bournemouth for any reason. I'm going to leave them to last because they were two of the best games of the weekend. Only one left to talk about: Palace versus Huddersfield. Palace won. I mean, oh, who cares? Yeah, the, the only reason <laughs> I wanted to mention this: I really liked Wilfred Zaha's interview after the game. He scored the only goal, and then when at and I had him on the bench on fantasy, for fuck's sake. You, you did. You did have him on the bench for fantasy. Um, but he went absolutely mental at the fact that he just keeps getting kicked the living shit out of and no one seems to get booked or sent off against him. And I think he said something like, does someone have to break my leg before they're going to get sent off? And I thought that was quite... You know, you don't see it that often, players deviate from like the normal oh well at the end of the day we played quite well so that was that was the only thing that I wanted to say about this game no that's that's actually it's yeah, a fair point it's a fair point like I said um... it's, hazard, it's Hazard like because um, Hazard gets fouled like 15 times a match and people actually get pulled up for it like Zaha is fairly similar he's a fairly similar kind of player like he takes players on so like it's a genuine injury concern if people can think that they can get away with it against him then they'll just keep doing it and he might end up, you know, out for six months because of some injury. Hmm. The same thing happened with uh, Gareth Bale. Um, and he got this reputation as being a bit of a diver. But in reality, he had, he was basically jumping out the way of Charlie Adam trying to commit GBH on him every week. <laughs> 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 it was like, he was, getting, he was getting blamed. He was getting the blame for these tackles. And it's like, it's not his fault he's better at football. And like, yeah. Zaha is the same thing. Like, with all due respect to the Huddersfield right backs, like Zaha is a shade above them in terms of quality. So, like, if he's running around, obviously he scored a really good goal on Saturday, and it's just not on. Like, because these players get reputations, like I say, as a diver. Like Zaha was getting booed every time he played at the Watford game the other yeah. week because he might have dived against them two years ago. It's like ridiculously petty, and it's just. Um, 
yeah, I feel like this needs to be, like I said, they need to be clamping down on these because it will end up in a bad injury again, a bit like um, Eduardo and Aaron Ramsey, even though that was a little bit different. There will be yeah. another one of those events where it's just someone just gets absolutely snapped and it's screwed up with them just having a big break in their career. Do you think, I mean, I'm maybe being a little bit cynical and looking into it too much, but if he played for a top four team, a, a City, a United, or a Chelsea, whoever, do you think he gets those fouls called against him? Do you think it's because he's playing for Palace that referees don't have that pressure to constantly call fouls? I don't know about that because, like I said, obviously when Bale was when we it was at Tottenham, like we were sort of again like what you call like a European team, maybe not to the level of sort of like going for the title like United or City, but we were still like a, a well-known team in the league, and even he was getting penalised against. So like I say, Hazard does the same thing; he gets lumps kicked at him every game, and Chelsea are like one of the better teams in the division. And more often than not, like you said, he will get fouls. They won't be immediately punished with a yellow card, for example. And that's mm. where the problem starts, where you think you can get away with two or three. And then all of a sudden, when you do a, put a proper tackle on them, the ref goes, OK, that's enough. And then someone else just takes up the charge of just snapping everyone. <laughs> like, it's, like a bit of a, it's like a bit of a relay. Like One person pushes their luck up until a point, and then the rest of the time, and then someone else will go and do it. It's just, um, yeah, it's, there's something needs to happen with this, like, just because otherwise it will end up in a bad injury. It's kind of like Switzerland at the World Cup where they just took turns and kicking the living daylights out of Neymar. Yeah. And yeah. then when... Oh, Neymar deserves it, though. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't really bellyache about Hazard and then turn around and go, oh, well, Neymar deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Neymar spends his entire time on the floor after falling over. Yeah, but like I said, he's also getting... He got a bit of rough treatment in the World Cup. I mean, yes, he made the most of it, but he was also getting booted around by pretty much every, like say, every Swiss player and Costa Rican player and whoever Brazil played, really. <laughs> Even play, teams that Brazil didn't play were yeah. still... qualified, <laughs> like Kate Verde. We're just kicking <laughs> the fuck out of them. I have a quite a, slightly cynical opinion of this. Uh, I think I, I disagree with Ryan and Tim because I think the reason he's doing this is um, I, I would guess that in the next game, whoever referees him next will award him more free kicks. Um, and I, 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 I'm of the opinion that he isn't the only player in the Premier League who's getting the shit kicked out of him. There are, I reckon every team has that player where they target him and whether it's Hazard or whether it's Aguero gets a, uh, gets a lot of stick from, uh, from centre-backs and things like that. And we have it with players like Ryan Fraser where the, the, the idea is, oh, if you're going to take, make them, take the piss out of me and run past me every time, I'll kick you on the knee and then see what happens to him. I think he's doing it because he's trying to get this protection from the referee. Now, it's, you have to determine whether that's deserved or undeserved. And there is always a level of, um, of protection a referee has to offer a player. But the thing is, he isn't alone in, the, in ha this happening to him. And he doesn't deserve... It, it's a physical game. It's a contact sport. And he doesn't deserve any more protection than anybody else. I, you have to punish the, the fouls if they're fouls. But complaining all the time, especially coming from a player who has notoriously dived in the past. For me, it, it, I do have a little bit of thinking, well... I'm not surprised they do it because at least if they're going to foul you and get and get a foul called against them, I, they'd rather they kick the shit out of you once than, than get booked for you diving. So I, I think that's why he's potentially doing it because he's putting the message out there to the referees to say, these guys are trying to kick me. But I think there is, you do earn a reputation in the Premier League. And I think that's what he's done over the, the first half of his career. Yeah, no, I, I can I can kind of see everyone's, everyone's side of the story. And 
referees do think like that a lot, don't they? They think he's known for going over a little bit easy, so I'm probably not going to award him as many. Yeah, yeah, and that that isn't right. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It's it's um, it is. I think like uh, Alan said on the previous podcast, it's binary. It's either one or the other. But yeah, the problem is if he's trying to get protection from him going over softly then that's not what the point of this, the, the argument he's putting across is. And yeah, I, I, I do agree with the sense that he should, you can't just let him kick two shades of shit out of him there either. I think my, the best thing about that entire sequence is we all agreed to use the term kick the living shit out of to <laughs> some variation. <laughs> just Great all, regional differences. Yes. <laughs> all very much on the same page. Right. Over to the it on the news. PSG have equalised in the 83rd minute. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, I, I just saw Mbappe just sliding across the grass. I was, I was just about to say how shit Neymar's been and then he ran through like the entire Liverpool and then I would, Mbappe uh, scored. I would like to sort of interject as well with another Champions League story, if I may. <laughs> please, please do. Is it locomotive? D- Dortmund have just scored against Bruges and it's the shittest goal you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> this... Bruges, Bruges, mate, he tries to boot it away and it hits Pulisic and lobs the keeper and goes in. Then they pan, they pan to the crowd and they've just got this Belgian guy in the background just giving the wanker sign to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so well-timed as well. It was just like this guy looked over and obviously they're getting a picture of the crowd looking pretty sad because Bruges have played quite well from what I've seen on these uh, goal show highlights. And this guy was just standing there going, fuck off. <laughs> Oh, that is that is brilliant. I just saw the Mbappe goal as well. A decent finish. Right, over to the two big scoring games of the weekend. Let's start with Chelsea versus Cardiff. Tim, the resident Chelsea fan of the podcast. You haven't been in for a few weeks, so I'm just gonna let you yeah. I'm just gonna let you loose. Go for it. Well, I mean, like the points speak for themselves really, don't they? Uh five wins out of five. Um Hazard is like undoubtedly world-class you just all you have to do is watch him to see how brilliant he is um and like you can already start to see air quotes sorry ball like take place and how how different we're playing to last season under fucking conte um there are still issues like we've got pretty much the best attacking player in the premier league and worst defender in the premier league and fucking david louise who can't defend save his life um (laughs) when he just stands still, tries to head the ball away and then a player runs in front of him, heads it past a keeper. Like, move your feet. You haven't just got... You've got them and your hair. Like, do something. <laughs> um, so, that's annoying. But, like, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but, yeah, like, oh, Hazard was so good. And it's, like... It, like, hurts to watch him because he's so good. Um, his first goal, where he just dummied the defender, like, by not doing anything. And he just sort of, like move to the right and the right and the like almost falling over like oh he's so good such a good finish i was i was going to ask as well olivier Giroud looks like he's going to get that number one striker role over morata this season and he looks like he's doing the perfect job sort of just continuing on what he did for france in the world cup got another two assists do you think that's going to be the front three hazard Giroud, and then pedro slash william yeah no he deserves it so much like there was a stat so um, I can't quite remember it, but it's so with Giroud in about 900 minutes of football, um, Hazard sc- scored like nine, it's a goal every 100 minutes or something. So it's almost a goal a game with Giroud playing. With Morata, it's about 600 minutes and he scored one. Yeah. Um, 
Like Giroud, he plays so well with Giroud, and Giroud just gets it. Like he interlinks with Hazard so well, he just allows him to like play off him. Giroud doesn't care about goals now; it's just about like getting his team to win and getting Hazard on the ball. Morata is like lost. You watch him in the first few games of the season; he doesn't do anything. And admittedly, like he hasn't had the great delivery that he maybe needs, but he's not doing enough to help the team and to uh, to score goals or assists. So Giroud 100% deserves his place in the team, and he's like genuine like he is good enough to play in that starting 11 it's weird that Arsenal sold him to be honest I always thought it was I don't know he just he looked like he'd never really fit Arsenal's style of play but when he did actually play he played really well well Arsenal have signed Lacazette and Aubameyang since he's left and like they're two players that are very similar they would benefit so much from having Giroud just to like hold up the play and have a different like Striker, there. they could play with Drew and Aubameyang up front, and he'd probably do. They'd probably both do really well. Um, but I'm very glad they sold him to us because he's so so useful in this team. Tom, you mentioned earlier that you think Chelsea will be up there, but don't think they'll challenge for the full season. Tim, do you think that Sarri Ball is going to play out for the whole season, or do you think it will eventually fizzle out? I'm not sure. I think attacking wise, I think it'll be will be fine. We'll maintain it the entire season. It's how good we are defensively because like yeah David Luiz needs to go and Christensen needs to come in um, and we need to use the, the sort of wide areas more like Aspilicueta and Alonso Aspilicueta is great defensively and Alonso is superb going forward like the goals he scores are just amazing but he's really weak defensively so having him and Luiz next to each other in defence was just shocking um, like I really hope they don't play together when we play Liverpool with Salah there um, but we need to sort it out quickly, but I don't think anyone will be able to stop our attack going forward. Like Hazard Giroud and Pedro is playing really well as well. So, I mean, that's almost as good as a Liverpool front three, to be honest. And when Hazard's on his game, he is literally the best in the Premier League. Um, feel free to shout at me for saying that. But um, I, no, I, th- I just think, I think we will struggle against teams like Man City and Liverpool. But it's just about how we can grind out those matches and see how we do. I'm not going to disagree with you with the Hazard thing because when he is on his game, he's absolutely insane and he's done it for more than one season. Like he's he, he filters in and out, but he is always he is always this up is, there. This is the I think the best I've seen him look to be honest after that World Cup and then his performances, especially on Saturday. This is like the best I've seen him along with maybe that first season under Conte, um, where he scored sixteen. But I, you know, I think he might be on for for twenty goals this season. Ooh. Quite a few assists. He will just he will rip through defenses. I I look forward to seeing that. Not against United though. Uh, Ryan, you're you're our resident Cardiff City expert. Sean yes, Morrison, mate. the man does not lose <laughs> headers, does he? No, like I said at the start of the year, they're going to play one way, <laughs> and they've only played one way this year. But it's sort of worked to an extent. I mean, like I said, they've got some decent draws. Um, gave Arsenal a good game, and then for about twenty minutes or so, kept Chelsea decent. I'd like to just add a bit of a couple of caveats in terms of like the Chelsea thing. Uh, talking about it a minute ago, um, I'm still not like I said, I'm not convincing them at the back. Like the only decent-ish team they've played this year was Arsenal, and they looked very ropey indeed. And also, again, Hazard, the sort of the caveat that, yes, he was running the game, but it was also against what you would probably call the weakest side on paper in the Premiership. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he's had a good start to the season, but, again, you need to be, maybe sort of wait to see how he's going to do in those sort of, like, bigger games. And I do have concerns about, like I say, Chelsea's um, defence, definitely. 
but yeah, sort of like Cardiff, like I say, you, you know how they're going to play and they'll they'll do well to stay up this year, but at least they're sort of giving it a go. Like they're, they're not sort of trying to be something they're not. I'd rather them sort of go out and play like Cardiff rather than trying to play like Man City and just getting humped every week because it's just yeah. like not very, not very good. I mean, I know they got beat 4-1 against Chelsea, but again, like I said, they, they only really know how to play like they, they do. So that was just a good... A good sort of decent 25 minutes from them. And then Sean Morrison, just classic, just winning every header. He'd head a brick if he could. <laughs> <laughs> for me, though, in the 92nd minute, it's just won it for Liverpool. Oh, yeah. God. That's super six. That's fucked me up. <laughs> He's done like an eye patch celebration as well. <laughs> Never forget. Um, right, on to the last game of the weekend. I mean, what a game. If you look at the score and you didn't watch the match and you think 4-2, you think, oh, that's a competitive game that Bournemouth edged. But Bournemouth pretty, <laughs> Bournemouth pretty much dominated that and then for some reason just gave up two goals in the last minute. We really like Cloud Puel, so we decided to give him two goals later on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a generosity thing, was it? Yeah, no, oh yeah. That and a huge fan of Mark Albrighton, so I got, gave him a header as well, that's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk Ryan Fraser because I think he's... He stole the show, really. He's been so good this season. Scottish Gareth Bale, mate. <laughs> no, he was, he's, he's been really good. I think at the beginning of the year, I said that Ryan Fraser is one of the players I think um, almost needs to step up and, and definitely has the ability to score goals. And the, the first few games in the season, he's been absolutely excellent. Um, against West Ham, he was really, really good. And even against Chelsea in the loss, I thought he he wasn't that bad. And I, I, yesterday on Saturday was sort of an accumulation of the good performances he can have. He's so effective against these big lumbering centre backs, and it's the first time I've seen. I, I haven't watched Leicester a lot, and, and my exposure to Harry Maguire has been primarily through England. Um, and he looked comp- out of place in that Leicester defence. And um, him, him and Morgan um, were so slow. Uh, just fouling our front three so much, um, and I was I was really actually disappointed with him because he should have been sent off in the first half for a foul on Josh King. Uh, but yeah, uh, wee man Ryan Fraser just ripped them all apart, and it was a really good performance, really good game. I, was, I really enjoyed watching it. From uh, I guess an English perspective, does Maguire's performance in the World Cup kind of cloud how good he actually is? Because you said it there. He looked out of his depth. In a back four, he doesn't really look that comfortable. I think with Wes Morgan sitting next to him, you would not look that comfortable anyway. <laughs> I mean, he's he, a scary guy. Yeah, yeah, but he's also Shit. quite like. I think it's sort of a consensus now that he's a bit past it. Yeah, and I mean, like the sooner they can get in the um, the people they bought. Leicester bought a couple of defenders in the window. Obviously, got Johnny Evans mm. and they. Got uh, another guy, a Turkish player that they signed on deadline day. Um, I think as soon as they can integrate them in the team, I think that'll be better for them. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think any team at the minute with the form that Bournemouth are in, any team would have a struggle with that sort of front three mm. or sort of like people running in behind. Like again, it reminded me a little bit of the when I saw the the highlights. It reminded me a bit of like the the Tottenham game in terms of like the way Leicester were playing in terms of the fullbacks it wasn't helping themselves by pushing up a bit too far and leaving them exposed. Mm. Um, and like I say, obviously you're leaving them with like Fraser and King and people running in behind. You're always going to let yourself down a bit. And I feel like, like I say, even though Bournemouth were good, it was also, they were helped on their way, I think, by some of the 
tactics that Leicester were displaying, a bit like, like say, the Liverpool Spurs game. And it was um, it was interesting to see, like I say, just Maguire look a bit shaky because he is a good player, I think, and he's good on the ball. And he obviously, again, he's one of them players that he'll just defend, like head balls away every all day, every day. But yeah, it definitely, it's like a bit of a side to him. Maybe you don't want to see rear, rear its head for England. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that could be a bit worrying going into the next tournament. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting game. From a Bournemouth perspective, because I feel like you haven't had enough time to say how good, <laughs> how good um, you've been playing. Did you expect to, Bournemouth to do this well coming into the season? Or, I mean, did pre-season look good from what you saw? Or is this a bit of a surprise? Well, we've already done the more than the 35 seconds they gave us on the match of the day. So I'm, I'm pleased with that so far. <laughs> um, I, I think... Um, it's really difficult to judge us on preseason because uh, Howe likes to rotate the squad massively. So, you in preseason you see a lot of the reserve team players mixed in with um, the first team squad. So, I don't know how um, how how good of a preseason we had, but there's a there's a I know that we we actually in, since we've been promoted to the Premier League we we start the the season really poorly, um, and we we're on um, ten points now. But it took us to the end of um, October to get to ten points last season. So there is there is definitely a, a bit a bit of focus I think internally within the squad to to get up these wins going uh, at the beginning of the season. I also I also feel like we've we've got resu- there's not really been a surprise result. I mean the the scoreline against Leicester was big, but they're all teams that I don't think we need to be intimidated by anymore. Cardiff on the first day of the season, frankly, we probably should the way that other teams have played them since we probably should have got a better result. Chelsea, obviously, we were going to lose. We were likely to lose anywhere we went away. But West Ham away, they have obviously played really poorly. Leicester at home. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm not overly surprised with some of the results we've got. Um, but I'm really pleased with our position. And it, as we were talking about with Watford as well, it's so nice to know that we've got these points in the bank. It means we can go through a run in the middle of the season where we don't pick up points for a while because we've got these points in the bank already. But I'm I'm also really impressed with the new signings. Diego Rico gave away the penalty, but was played really really well. And so did Jefferson Lerma as well. I think he, he I don't know if he looks like a 25 million pound signing, but he looks like the type of player we've been missing, and hmm. maybe a more progressive and younger um, Harry Arter, which is which is really great for us as well. And like four foot taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I feel really bad for Harry Arter because I I think he's obviously at Cardiff at the moment. And I, I think he's—he's. He's, I think he's a really, really good player as well. Uh, I, I, it, it sort of sucks that he's going to get dominated this season and probably have to drop down to the championship next year when he's looking for a new club. Yeah. No, he was always—he was always a decent player. He just got around, didn't he? He yeah. put his foot in where necessary. And any midfield in the Premier League wants that. Yeah, he's—he's he's the definition of someone who just—he's—he's he's trying to look like he's running really far to to say put the effort in. But th- that's the type of player that Eddie Howe loves and and worked really well for us when we got promoted from League One and to the Championship as well. So Mark, you should go go for Mark Noble <laughs> then, mate. No, I would dispute that he he gets he's in the top five uh, distance covered because if he if he is covering those distances, he, he's walking at least half of that. <laughs> Also, he covers that distance over the entire yeah. day, like the walk to the, the, the stadium, <laughs> like his walk home, when he wanders around his house, like, kitchen to get like a banana or something. Like, <laughs> the it's, it's everyone else on the overnight. <laughs> oh, um, 
I mean, I know I said those were the last games. I do realise that we like very briefly mentioned Southampton, Brighton, the two all draw. How mm. I'm not sure if anyone saw it. How good was Hoiberg's goal? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was mad. It was mad. It was yeah, it was mad. so good. He's, yeah, he's been, tra- he's it was, been trying to it score that one where... for like three years, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's been lining them up like at St Mary's since, ever since he signed. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the angle from behind when it sort of showed him striking the ball was that's pretty special. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the actual the last 10 minutes of that game was pretty mad. Or like, well, I think it was the last about 15, whenever Brighton scored the first yeah. goal. It's really good. Like I say, it looked it one of them ones like I turned it on when it was about sixty-five minutes in. I saw the Hoiberg goal like at half time. And then turned it on, I thought, oh, this is pretty dead, like two 0 And then obviously Brighton then just decided to start playing. Whether it was just me because I turned it on. But yeah, that was it was really good. Like I said, it was good to see Brighton. Um this is probably gonna come back and bite me on the arse again in the week because we play Brighton on Saturday, but it was good to see him sort of like putting up a fight. Maybe last year they would have just thought, okay, well, we'll take the 2 0 loss and then we'll just move on, try and win our home games, try and stay up. But it was good to see him actually like having a real dig at them because, like I said, they, they've not had a bad start to the season either. Like I said, they only lost 1 0 at home to Liverpool and they've got some like decent results. Obviously, come back from 2 0 down at home to Fulham, come back from 2 0 down against Southampton. Like, obviously, they, they want to start winning games sooner rather than later, but. Still, it's like I say, not a bad start, and um, like I say, I think they'll be they'll they'll give us a game on on Saturday definitely, especially the way we're playing at the minute. It'll be that'll be quite interesting that uh, Brighton Spurs game. Glenn Murray just just keeps on scoring. Evergreen Glenn it's Murray. Like, it's like the older he gets, the more he scores. <laughs> he loves it's... it. I like, I like I like the fact that he's still sort of like playing in the Premiership and scoring. Yeah. Play, so you do need those players like. Um, who may be getting on a bit and you think oh naturally like I said they should be dropping down to the Championship or League One but it's good to see him still competing yeah but yeah it's um, it's nice like I say it's nice that they've Brighton spent all that money on strikers like Lacardia came on he looked dog shit <laughs> last night when he came on. <laughs> really bad I think he's going to be rather than uh, Van Nistelrooy from the Eredivisie he's going to be another Alfonso Alves oh <laughs> um, just sort of like gave the ball away a lot on his own half couldn't get like shooting chances um but yeah, it's good to see, like I say, the money they've spent and they've they've still got Murray up top. Yeah, he, he scored, I just Googled now, he scored five goals in six league starts for Brighton against Southampton. The more you know. That's decent. Hates, hates them, yeah. hates the same. <laughs> With a passion. Uh, on the other side, Southampton have dropped 26 points from leading positions in the Premier League since the start of last season. It's the most out of any team in both both seasons of the Premier League. Is is that just because they've got Mark Hughes as a manager now? Yeah, he's a professional baby, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just soon, as soon as they go to the like, like brings a second goalie on, plays him at centre half. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he he has he has got his reputation. Like obviously, the game that stands out last year was the Chelsea game when they played towards yeah. the end of the season. I think when me and you, Danny, we were out and about that yeah. day, weren't we? And they went from two up to lost three two. Um, when Giroud scored a couple, I think, and Hazard scored. And that was just like when they're in the midst of a relegation battle. And even then, like I said, last night, they didn't look comfortable. As soon as it went to him, like uh, Danny Ings rolled the penalty in. And I think after about five minutes, he was subbed off. <laughs> and it's like, he's been one of their best players. And you've subbed on, like you subbed on um, Gabby Adini yeah. and uh, uh, Elianusi as well. So I don't, I don't understand what's happened there. Like I said, you can just tell it's like nerves, like maybe he's because he's only been in the job like 12 games still, yeah. Even though obviously 
came in last at the end of last season. I think he's still to sort of cement his uh, playing style on the team. But yeah, they, they do, like I say, need to be. I thought they'd turned the corner last week with winning away at Palace or the week before the internationals. But obviously, the the same sort of things about not holding on to leads, come back and bitten them on the ass again. So yeah, be interesting how he seems to try and like uh, galvanise the team. So like I say, you cannot be losing points to teams in and around you as well, especially like I say, Brighton. Things like that, like you have to be beating those teams, especially at home. Yeah, I mean, I know I keep banging on about post-match interviews for some reason, but Hoiberg's was another one where he he genuinely was so angry, like he wasn't even like mildly annoyed, like he was fully that I can't remember who asked him. It was the reporter asked him a question, and he just ignored it and just went, "Nah, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We've got to be winning that for like three straight minutes." And the reporter was like. But you scored a really good goal, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not good enough, though, is it? Could score, could score them every day, but we're not winning." That's true. That's refreshingly honest again, rather than just saying like, "Oh, yeah, it was all right." But yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised he feels like that. Like I say, it must get really tiresome when you're winning games and then you sort of lose. Like it's happened twice in a week with Tottenham, or twice in the last three games. And it's annoyed me already. We've got one up lost two, one in two different games. So imagine having like losing twenty six points. Jeez. That's like just over, like I said, over like maybe the half the amount of points that Samson are looking to get this yeah. year. Or just over half. Like losing them all from winning positions. It must completely just drain your whole confidence and all belief. And it looks like they're completely drained of confidence and belief, most of well, some of those players, not all of them. I mean, we talked about Hoyboth goal and this is gonna be a massive segue, but Ibra scored his fifth hundredth goal um, oh in, my God. in career football, and it and it was a, a brilliant, brilliant goal. Classic Ibra with a weird three sixty karate kick before finishing it. And before I ask this question, I, I know one person's response to this because I saw his tweet. Uh, the, <laughs> saw his tweet the other day in uh, Tom Coley. But can he be considered as one of the best ever players to play the game? What define like best ever? Like, how big is the group of best ever? I guess um, on, on a level with people, people like Ronaldo, and yeah, Messi, and Messi, Ronaldo. No, mm. no, he's a good goal scorer, but like, if you put him in that Liverpool team, like, you'd rather have Firmino in there than him because of the way they work together. Like, he's just he's a very individual player, isn't he? Um, and I don't think that you can be considered one of the best ever if you don't quite like. I don't know. I don't know. I, you don't quite work as well like that. He's just not very versatile. Like, that goal was stupid and it shows up how, like, he's one of the biggest characters in football, but I don't think he's he's quite up there. Like, he's on a, a level above most other people, but um, it's not quite not quite up there. I'm going to play the Leganes card from last week. If I spent a load of time just scoring against Evian, <laughs> no, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of respect in terms of how Ibrahimovic just sort of like conditioned himself to be. I mean, like the the, the uh, amount of time he took to get over that like ACL injury or whatever he had was ridiculous. When yeah. he was like he recovered so much quickly, and he's he's in sort of like still in good condition, mm. like physically. Sort of mid thirties, but I think his career was far too sort of unstable in the first few years, mm. like especially when he was at like Barca and he got sort of like shunted out there and went to AC Milan on loan. Like um, it didn't really work out for him, really, did it? And it was like I say, he's a good player, but he can never really. I I can't see him in that sort of like top level 
he can't really be talked about in that level of sort of like performer really because like I say he's just a bit too I don't know a bit too sort of maybe just had a bit too much of an inconsistent start but yeah he's on the level below that I think like the sort yeah. of smattering of like good players um, but not not quite on that like top level I'd be I'd be interested to know too who, who, when you say that level like what what if you could compare other players that are on that level what what type of players are we talking about well, just trying to think about this while you were saying it and I'm, nothing's coming to mind because it's 10 o'clock and I'm really tired. But, um, like, I don't know, sort of, if you think about I, this, I, Yaya Torre sort of thing, like his prime when he was outstanding, but, like, inconsistent. Um, you've got maybe players like Iniesta that, you know, have been great but can't be considered best of all time. I don't know, sort of like that. Like, he's really good but not quite up there. The problem is, I don't think you can... If you call Messi and Ronaldo world-class, no other player in yeah. football should be ever labelled as world-class. And although Hazard is playing really, really well at the moment, um, and Mbappe and Neymar, they're not world-class if what we define as world-class is Messi-Ronaldo. Because they are head and shoulders above every single player that plays the game of football currently. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's those two. And then you've got people like Hazard and Mbappe, like that kind of player sort of below, like that aren't, if you're going to call them world-class, you sort of, yeah, they are the step below. But like, no one compares with those two, obviously. I guess you can kind of change it to, if you're calling Ronaldo and Messi world-class, you could probably say Sergio Ramos is a world-class defender because you're comparing it differently. But I just mean for like a blanket term, I, I don't think anyone else is world-class. Tom... What do you think about Ibra? Huge scam. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Your, your tweet yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah. The way that he has branded himself as this amazing player is incredible. Because he, he, is, he hasn't been a dominant player in a decent division for a, for a long time. In his prime of his career, when he was 26 to 30, he played for... Uh, and at the end of his time, um, well, he played for Barcelona, where he was notoriously difficult to manage. He played in Milan, where he wasn't particularly dominant. He had one really good season in Milan. And then, like Ryan said, he moved to PSG, where farmers are top scorer in some of those leagues sometimes. <laughs> it, is, it is a terrible division. He came to United and was efficient. But again, he came under the premise of being Zlatan and then had an okay division. And now he's doing good things in, in a league that is dominated by Bradley Wright Phillips. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not impressive. I would say that his prime, he, everyone said, oh, and, and Ryan, it's interesting you said about how, how quickly he recovered from injury. I don't regard him as one of the greats, but, but it is interesting how people compare him to that. And, and I, I think it's probably completely down to his own PR and uh, his, the marketing team that probably works for him. But yeah, I, I don't think he's had a dominant period in his career. I've never watched a game and, and seen him... The only, the only game I can actually remember him dominating was England, England played Sweden in a friendly, and he scored a hat-trick, mm. and he scored that bicycle, oh, the, the bicycle kick. Overhead kick. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That, that was the one time. And I, 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 I don't remember any other, any other game. Thinks he is capable of changing games, yeah. though, and like winning like at PSG. Mm. Admittedly not in the league, but when they come to the Champions League... like. He scored some goals out of nowhere that have won the matches and like knocked them out. Like he has that ability to just win matches, which yeah. you can't find in many other 
players. Um, but yeah, you're right, he's inconsistent. Apart from Bradley, Mike Phillips and the MLS. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think the best, the best sort of metaphor for um, Ibrahimovic is, that, like you said, the Sweden-England game. Obviously, he dominated and everyone was like, oh, it's a great volley. It was a fucking friendly. <laughs> yeah. Like, does, not count, does not count towards the rankings. Like, it was it was basically a show event for their new stadium in Stockholm. And obviously, he turned up and was a well-beater then. But like I said, when it came to the Euros, which was about three years later... <laughs> Do you remember that match between Sweden and Portugal, though, that Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic both just dominated the match? They scored like three goals each. It was a playoff, wasn't um, it? It was the playoff for, um, was it the World Cup into... or something? Or the Euro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. World Cup four years ago, and they just dominated, and it was completely up to them who won the match. Um, yeah. And obviously, it came out a bit better, but it was just a two-man show. So that's how good he can be. Don't even get me started on Ronaldo. What a joke. <laughs> no. uh, I, I do have a personal vendetta against him. In all honesty, he he, he, he um was it he um Tyrone Mings stamped on his head in the game at Old Trafford, clearly accidentally, and then uh, Zlatan decided to elbow Mings in the head, and for that Mings got four game suspension, but Ibra got three. I mean favoritism. Yeah, what a wanker. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're talking about Liga and making it like seem more exciting. Mm. Um, did you see the tweet about the two people that went and watched a Liga game in a hot tub? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's like they just Liga is so shit that they've yeah. decided that they need to sit touchline with a hot tub to make it interesting. Mm. I mean, I'd do that if I was like a chairman. Get hot tub seats in. Start charging people absolute top dollar. Can you imagine a season ticket for a hot tub? <laughs> Half of PSG's team could sit in a hot tub for every game. They'd still fucking win the league. <laughs> <laughs> Does Thiago um, Mosso still play for them? <laughs> I mean, he's about forty years old. No, I think I think he's like late thirties now. You've not answered the question. <laughs> I say. I'm, I'm furiously googling it, and the top five posts for when you type in Thiago Mota into Google is Thiago Mota retire, Thiago Mota wife. Okay. <laughs> um, Did he retire I, his wife? Really? <laughs> George Ware's son plays for PSG. And when yeah. I first saw that, I thought it was it wasn't too out of the ordinary. The actual George Weah had come back and wanted to have a, a, a career in Liga. Still, <laughs> twenty more goals in a season. Yeah. While we're talking about George Weah, did you see he played eighty minutes for Liberia <laughs> against Nigeria? What in a like genuine match? In in a genuine match, they were they were retiring his shirt, and he, I, I thought he was just going to get a run. He played eighty minutes. Mm. And like, like, I mean, it was, Nigeria are good. Yeah, like they had half of their team were like getting ready for African Cup of Nations like qualification, and then they rock up and Liberia start George Weah for seventy nine minutes. That's going to be a bit scary. He is the president. <laughs> in fairness, he can do what he wants. True. I, also, the uh, the manager of Liberia also played in that team as well. So Liberia, <laughs> Liberia just <laughs> doomed. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness to George Ware, though, he is the only world leader who's also scored four goals against Gillingham. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, any other talking points from this week's football that anyone's found that they want to talk about? Um, Douglas Costa <laughs> going in that oh, mouth. Oh, <laughs> He got four-game ban. He should have had, like, 15. It? 
Yeah, he had four. He so he he elbowed him, mm. headbutted him, and then spatted his mouth, and he got four games. He t- also, if you look at the headbutt, the referee is standing right <laughs> in front of him, watching him headbutt another player, and he's just like, Hello? "Come on now." <laughs> 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 no, there's, there's no kissing on the field, please. It's actually quite smart for Costa because it's the only way to be able to get rid of the evidence, isn't it? If you spit, <laughs> <laughs> is that what that bird was thinking? Yeah, well, Ashley Ashley young, Young's yeah. Mouth? <laughs> I did find that funny that everyone was saying, "Oh, well, that it was really funny when that happened to Ashley Young." But spitting in someone's mouth, come on! Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's fucking. I mean, what would you rather? I don't. I can't go there. I'd vomit instantly. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would throw up both accounts. Yeah, it was. It was atrocious that, and and uh, I'm surprised he only got that. I thought he'd get a, a lot longer penalty. He should have had three for the elbow, four for the headbutt, and then ten for the mm. the spitting. Seventeen. <laughs> 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 If you would like to come on as Game Time's regular maths person, please email us. Professional numbers. <laughs> I've got one which um, I wanted to follow up from last week. We had we had a brief conversation last week about Manchester United's women, uh, their their first debut in the in the second division uh, of yeah. the English, English league. I don't know if anyone saw the the Benfica women's team's results. Uh, their, their first game, they're a newly formed women's team in Portugal, and they, so they've had to start in the bottom division. They had the uh, the close twenty eight nil victory over <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, Pont de Frilas, um, and Darlene de Souza got eight goals. But uh, yeah, it was it was like settings down so much on the uh, enemy team on the opposition that you just like shoot from your own half and score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think in fairness, I, I watched that the highlights from BBC Sport uh, of all 28 goals, they have to speed it up, obviously, uh, because, of the, day for you. because of the bandwidth of the, uh, of the website. But um, <laughs> they, uh, in fairness, it does look like the keeper of the Pont de Freelas, the, the team that Benfica played. Um, it looks like her fellow teammates are explaining the rules of football as the game is going on. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't have the best grounding. So uh, yeah. it was it, oh. it was a very one-sided affair. But you'd imagine they'll get promoted very quickly this season. God, I don't even want to know what the goal difference is going to be at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. 700. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. I found a little thing from Brazil. So um, Vasco da Gama's player, Bruno Silva, got knocked unconscious uh, in the game. And like, I didn't know this, but in Brazil, like an actual ambulance comes onto the pitch, I'd imagine, because it was a head injury. And it <laughs> broke down on the pitch <laughs> with him inside it. So the, the, the players just pushed it off the pitch. <laughs> The yeah, they just pushed the ambulance off the pitch. There's a great picture of them all just rolling it past the centre circle. That should be the half like half time mini game. Like you have a like like Mario or something. You just have to like push the ambulance off the pitch by <laughs> like and whoever gets that gets an extra goal. <laughs> Jesus, football would just don't get VAR in, let's get push an ambulance off the pitch for an extra goal in. <laughs> I've got a slightly controversial opinion on that. What an ambulance is? No, 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 not ambulances, but just generally 
What's wrong with an old fashioned stretcher? <laughs> It'd be much easier to push off. Yeah, when did you see the uh, stretcher <laughs> break down? Never. <laughs> oh, no, the wheels are falling off. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it's showmanship. It's hanging over from the World Cup they did. Like, just, just get the stretcher on. I think they should have a cannon and, and shoot the player to hospital from the pitch. Mm. <laughs> at, at, at most, a golf caddy. At most. That's really hit a nerve, Ryan. Jesus. <laughs> Controversial opinions on the emergency <laughs> services. Is is there nothing that we don't shit on on this podcast? Stretchers, ambulances, Leganess, Evian. Oh no, we're not we're not we're not doubting the work of the emergency services. It's just <laughs> <laughs> And Lagana's had it coming anyway, mate. You, we all knew that. If no one else has uh, <laughs> if no one else has got anything else to talk about, I guess we'll <laughs> I'll, I'll save. I'll save the run for the fire brigade <laughs> next week. I think. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, guys. As always, Tom, Ryan, Tim, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> Have a good week. Uh, you too. Thank you very much for listening to episode fifteen of the Game Time Podcast. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much. Any, anywhere google you can you can reel it off just google game time podcast and we'll come up um if you have and follow, us and follow us on twitter if you want to ask us any questions we're on twitter tim what's the twitter handle uh, at game time underscore pod at game time underscore pod or you can email us uh, game time podcast one at gmail.com but until next week bye, bye.